0: Hi, you're listening to the Rosenfeld Review, where we're just a bunch of blind men trying to figure out that elephant. I am blind man number one, Lou Rosenfeld, your host. And I'm here today with Etienne Fang. Uh, Hi, how are you?
1: Good, how are you doing?
0: I am very well here in frosty Brooklyn. And uh, I am so looking forward to talking with you. Etienne is... um, joined us uh, for I think you're the first talk on the first day of the second annual Advancing Research Conference. So that would be on March 10th. And everyone listening, um, the beauty of the virtual conference, much to my chagrin, is you can sign up at the very last moment. So you will want to, um, whenever you hear this, hopefully it'll be in time to to sign up for Advancing Research and hear Etienne and many other really smart people, Helping us figure out how we're going to advance uh, the world of research, and uh, Etienne is um, a, a principal researcher at Amazon, working on uh, working on Amazon Search primarily, right? Yes. Ah, interesting. I I I know a thing or two about search, and uh, and we might want to poke into that, but um, I think we should really talk more about what you'll be covering at the conference, and I know that really has a lot to do with the role of care and uh, how, it can, um, how researchers can maybe frame or even improve their abilities to lead in whatever role they're in with um, uh, uh, that superpower of sorts that, that uh, researchers have. Uh, we, I think we're not bad at caring, are we?
1: no we're not in fact we care a lot um not only about our work um the people and the subjects that we research we care deeply about them um but what's really fascinating about this idea of care in research is that it's not just about what we do um you know the, the work that we do so to speak with, re, re, with um, users and um in you know telling their stories and building empathy but it's really how we use this superpower of care and how in how um so everything from uh, leading teams sharing research um, building building teams um, building rapport within our teams working with stakeholders Um, if you're a consultant how do you engage your clients All of that, I think, requires a a great degree of care that user researchers are um, really well-equipped to do. And so that's what really drew me to this topic and why I wanted to share it with uh, the advancing research audience.
0: Is the, so care can be many things, right? It can be, you know, obviously empathy. uh, And, you know, I know well from Indie Young how many flavors of empathy there are. Uh, I think we're talking cognitive empathy primarily, but... um, uh, is care also, um, does it show up in a lot of other areas like uh, the care to um, at least come halfway to learn the language or the jargon of the, the person you're communicating with, uh, to learn about their context or even their, you know, how that world, the world has impacted the worldview? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, So the way I think about care in research as well as in leadership is that there's um, a couple of key components really thinking about it from like a research perspective. Um, certainly empathy is probably the first word, um, synonym that comes to mind with care and that I feel, you know, research owns in terms of, uh, you know, qualities and, and it's written into our job descriptions quite literally. Um, <laughs> um, but also I think in terms of how It parallels uh, leadership is in how inclusive we are when we we work, both in terms of making sure we're leaving no users behind, but also making sure we're leaving no team members behind, um, both in terms of how we do the research, what we're researching, how we're building insights, um, how we're collectively arriving at knowledge. I think there's another key piece of that, which is um, ability to deal with ambiguity. Again, I think that is part of my current job description. um, And I think in many researchers' uh, job descriptions is this ability to hold ambiguity and still drive results. Um, And that can happen when you're on big teams and big or small companies, just trying to understand all the different changes that are happening in the world, in their company, in terms of goals, Etc. Especially in these really uncertain times, as we know. Um, but also, I think ambiguity in, in leadership. Like things, things change so much within um, within our corporations. Um, there's so much that we always need to to kind of <laughs> help us understand, even while things might be un- uncertain and unclear. Um, and then there's another. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: Oh, well, no, go on.
1: You know, and, and the third piece is around authenticity. So just how how can we continue to drive at authenticity when it comes to understanding users? Um, it's really easy to kind of paint a rosy persona or a hypothesized um, scenario or something like that. But how can we continue to use our ability to bring authenticity, not only in the work that we do as researchers, but again, as, as leaders? How can we be authentic leaders? ones who care about the whole person
0: so when you are talking about this this uh, ability uh, or skill in care to people who are researchers, are you finding that it's easy for them to to then say, oh yes, I, I have this this skill or this ability or this, this personality trait and Uh, I see now how I can apply it in all the ways you just described or are researchers in some respects too close to their own ability to care and show empathy and so forth to step back enough that they can take advantage of it?
1: Mm, I don't know if you can really ever take advantage of care, to be honest. I think it's one of those qualities that Mm -hmm. um, really is for the benefit of others as well as oneself. Um, I think where you can care a little too much is when, um, particularly if the subject matter that you're researching is highly sensitive, really, um, challenging to understand the users that you're, um, empathizing with and trying to help illustrate within your organizations, um, have a lot of, you know, pain or challenges. Certainly I think there you, you can, um, you can't over care, but I think you can, uh, Maybe avoid taking care of yourself, um, and I think that's an area where we've heard from from many other researchers, just who have backgrounds in social social work or mm-hmm. uh, therapy, where you know you you as yourself have to take care of take care of you um, first and foremost. You know, put put your your uh, air mask on before your oxygen mask on before putting on the masks for for everyone on your team and and uh, your you know, your organization.
0: That's a great but analogy. I, I love that.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I do think that, um, I don't think you can take advantage of care. Um, <laughs> I, I really do think that um, by opening it up, particularly as we think about in leadership, um, it's something that I've, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, particularly as I've joined a new organization, Amazon in the last, and during the pandemic, so I'm one of these has left an organization, joined a new organization and trying to learn new culture. Um, and working from home. Everyone's working remotely. You know, it's, it's a really interesting time where being, being distanced um, can certainly create some rifts. Um, and also just reflecting on my experience, you know, over the last two decades, working across different companies, working in consultancies, Um, this element of care and how you get great work out of your team. Um, And by doing so, I don't mean, you know, telling people what to do, but really how do you create that environment that inspires people to do great work? Mm -hmm. And I really think that the heart of it is care. And I've learned about it firsthand from, you know, various companies that I've experienced um, currently as well as in the past, but just, you know, how some great leaders are really able to inspire Work um, and greatness simply through how we communicate um, and and genuinely care. It's not just about what you say, right? It's what you do. It's right. how you do it over time. It's not just at the big all hands meetings or whatever. It's daily. You know, you're you're filling you're filling the pot every every moment, pretty much.
0: Well, you know, when I was bringing up like uh, the the idea of taking advantage of care, not so much as a like way to build oneself up or anything. It's more like, I I just wonder if many people in research take it for granted mm, and they yeah. don't really see that as like a special characteristic that they bring to the table. And so they don't necessarily, you know, leverage it as they could as they find themselves uh, uh, leading in different ways. So um, maybe yeah. another way to look at it is if you were... Talking about care among researchers to non-researchers, how might you describe that unique aspect of researchers and and the value it brings to a situation, to non-researchers?
1: That's a great point. I, I think care is a genuine understanding of what makes people tick. Um, and so caring for your two- year old might look very different than caring for the VP of your organization. <laughs> right? So um, it's understanding um, what genuinely is meaningful to them and what motivates them. Mm-hmm. And um, and this, you know stems back to my some of my early professional experiences um, working at Cheskin, where I joined because they sort of coined this idea of meaningful experiences and really what gets users to um, to be loyal to companies and services and products is actually not because it's the cheapest or the fastest or the shiniest. It's actually because it deepens with a kind of a higher value in people. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, without overthinking care and, you know, the leadership at the leadership um, in the leadership realm, it's, Genu- it's really just thinking about what do the various people that you work with, you know, alongside, that you serve, that you um, lead, what is it that really uh, they're looking for? What's meaningful to them? Um, and to me, that's how you are, caref- are caring um, as a researcher, but also as an individual.
0: Oh, this is, uh, this is a topic that um, it's hard to talk about, right? Care is such a, in a way, it's abstract. It, it, it kind of runs through the course of so many uh, human attributes and emotions. So I, I think it's a good point to take a break. I want to chew on this for a minute. You're listening to the Rosenfeld Review. I'm talking with Etienne Fang, and we're going to talk a little bit more about care after the break. I hope you're enjoying the podcast if you want more not only do we have a whole bunch of podcasts in our archive we have something that's very current very alive and very engaging for groups and that is our communities rosenfeld media runs a variety of communities that meet on a monthly basis for video conferences on a variety of topics near and dear to ux people ranging from enterprise experience to advancing research design and research operations. I want to encourage you to join one of our communities, again, it is free, by going to rosenfeldmedia.com communities. Not only will you get a monthly video conference that you can listen in on and participate in, ask questions, and so forth, we'll give you access to the recordings, and uh, for some of those communities, we're talking about dozens of recordings with really interesting presenters and facilitators. You'll also get a newsletter. You'll get access to an advice columnist. Yes, we actually are providing advice columnists from each community. And finally, if you're interested in our conferences, our communities correspond to our conferences. So you will be the first to know when, programs, uh, when programs go live, uh, when tickets go on sale, and by the way, most of our conferences sell out, and other good things about our conferences, such as uh, when the scholarship applications open up. So go to rosenfeldmedia.com slash communities. You're going to find something that's free, something that's interesting, and it's a great opportunity to find your tribe as well. We'll see you there. You're listening to the Rosenfeld Review. We're back with Etienne Fang, and we are uh, we're just kind of digging into care and uh, you, you had a good story, I, I think, that um, um, you wanted to share that illustrates the the role of care and in, and in, uh, in, as an attribute that researchers have and can bring to to leading.
1: Yeah, I think you know one story that I I think back to is um, the time uh, I was at Uber in the hundred percent UX research organization. Led at the time by Molly Stevens, um, who is in the research program. Yeah, Yeah. Um, I was on the the leadership team there alongside others, including George Zong, who's also in the the conference. And um, I think what was a really telling moment was when someone from an adjacent organization at Uber came to me. Just I was sitting there having my lunch, and he came up to me and said. I want to know how you researchers do it. I think you guys should come and talk to our organization about what you do to create such a great culture. Um, And it made me think a little bit about the differences between our user research culture versus this this adjacent organization. Ours was incredibly collaborative People supported one another, people celebrated each other's achievements and accomplishments. People supported one another in their challenges and their struggles um, professionally, as well as, you know, certainly in their lives outside of work. Uh, We celebrated constantly um, daily, really people's birthdays, people's uberversaries, we called them. And it was just a really caring community. Um, It was the kind of thing where, kind of environment where you, could reach out to anyone within our research organization and ask them for help and they would provide it. Um, It might take them a couple days because everyone moved really quickly and was incredibly busy, but Mm. at the end of the day, you know they cared. And I was thinking about this adjacent organization which was quite competitive. Um, People were rather siloed and um, people didn't really support one another in the same way. And it made me think like, is this because we're researchers and we're, we're wired to care? We're supposed to be empathetic with users and in understanding people, and therefore we're better at creating an environment that supports and cares for the people in the organization. And so that's really, you know, has been a, a really profound moment for me in just thinking about how we turn our professional capabilities, professionally caring about the users who we serve to how we care about the people that we work with hmm. and how that, that can really be a strength um as researchers
0: well so you know obviously in that organization at Uber that that you worked at with uh George and Molly uh the the, the people clearly bring that that uh, that strength of caring um were there any more tactical efforts uh That really unlocked it, like uh, a uh, weekly tea time or, um, uh, you know, uh, investment in, you know, annual retreats or something along those Mm -hmm. lines that really kind of nailed it down.
1: It's funny because, you know, when we think about team culture, we, you know, certainly now hearken back to, oh, those days where we could take a a ride around the bay, or around mm-hmm. you know New York City, or these big blowout summits and things like that. While I think those are nice, wonderful experiences, those aren't really the ones that create that uh, real authentic sense of care. You know, that's more on the social fun realm. Um, who doesn't love uh, you know free drinks and mm-hmm. schmoozing? But I think that, again, going back to this idea of it's the little things every day that really express how you care. I'll just share an example from yesterday. Um, I had a particularly challenging meeting that I led. And at the end of the day, uh, my my manager and I had a wonderful one-on-one meeting. And after the meeting, I reached out to him via Slack and said, hey, I, I have another question. Do you have 10 more minutes? Mm-hmm. It was 4.30, know, end of day. He could have easily said no, sorry. Um, we continued to Slack. And then finally he was like, let's talk now. And we did. And it was way better than waiting until next Monday. And he put my mind at ease in such a way that really showed me that he cares. Um, not just in the quality of the work, which was really what this was about, mm-hmm. but really in terms of you know knowing that he's got my back, um, and this is my my manager Alex Thayer, in uh, head of search research at Amazon. Again, going back to this idea of you know filling filling the bucket, you know certainly at that moment um, he could have said, sorry, wait, let's wait until next next. Monday, Tuesday, whenever we have our next one-on-one. But instead, he took that 10 minutes out and um, helped me just talk through some concerns that I was having and really helped me feel like I was on the right path. And so I think, again, professionally, yes, he's a a very uh, accomplished researcher who applies his ability to care about people in the leadership that he, he, you know, conveys day
0: to day. That's a great example. Uh, and I know you're going to dig into these, this, this topic, uh, obviously a lot more deeply, uh, at advancing Mm -hmm. research. Um, I'd like to change directions just a little bit because I know from your bio, uh, obviously you're, you're working, uh, at Amazon on search right now. In the past, you've worked on some very traditional physical consumer products like uh working for method um on method products and clorox and i'm just really interested in in what kind of uh i mean like are there some interesting contrasts basically between working on physical products and and then working on something as uh intangible let's say as search yeah Uh, that's
1: a that's a great question um it's funny so yes you're right i i um founded the consumer strategy practice at Method Products, that eco design uh, cleaning products company, which mm-hmm. we all know and love. And then I went over to its arch rival uh, Clorox, which we all know to be, you know, the creators of Bleach and uh, and actually the owners of various other brands that people don't know so much about. And then I finally made the leap to tech. Um, and during all during this time, I kind of resisted Jumping into the tech world, and in part because my husband is has been in tech, and I felt like two of us in one family in tech was too many. <laughs> um, but the thing that actually drew me to Uber was the fact that at the end of the day, it's delivering real world human interactions. Um, because while you are, we're all working on the the product itself, the the app itself. At the end of the day, you're delivering a, a human interaction a person getting into a car, a driver getting paid, um, a driver receiving a ride. All of those things involve human beings at the end. And in many instances, real people in the, in the real world. Right. Mm-hmm. I think with search, it's interesting because I, I believe that Amazon at its heart, at least Amazon Search, the, the area that I'm in, believes ourselves to be a, a, a store. You know, we, even though I think for, for you and I, as users who, you know, buy with one click, like it's, it's hardly a store to us. It's the convenience, right? It's a, it's a thing that we do, um, because it's just so easy, right? It's quite different from going to the bodega, from going to a, a big box retailer, mm-hmm. uh bricks and mortar. But I think at Amazon, we really think about the shopping experience and how it connects to the real world shopping experience. And that's actually where my real world experience of working in CPG companies has come in real handy because at Method, at Clorox, we talk a lot about consumer decisions at shelf and also certainly at the end of the day, what the user's uh, decision-making journey is. And I think there's a lot of parallels to be drawn between working in more traditional categories like consumer packaged goods and tech spaces. And because at the end of the day, these are users that we're talking about. These are humans that we're serving. Um, It depends on which companies, of course, but for for the world that I'm in, our end users are the customers who are shopping and buying. And so I think really traditional categories versus technology being so far apart Mm -hmm. um, is actually not true because really we're thinking about the end user and their desired outcome.
0: Well, in the bodega or on Amazon, I guess it's all finding all the way down when you get down to it.
1: It's All about finding what you want. And really what I think, you know, this is my, my recent epiphany. It's not just about finding the right product for you. It's really about thinking about what it does and what it's, whether its benefits are to you. Right. So right. it's really about this sort of transformation in thinking about the product on yourself or for yourself or for your family.
0: Well, uh, thanks for indulging me because anytime search uh, comes up on my radar, I get very excited based on my, my past as a, an IA guy, uh, and even my Wikipedia page, which I didn't create, calls me an information scientist, which I do kind of, mm-hmm. kind of find funny. Anyway, um, b- before we wrap, actually, I'd like to ask you um, if you could tell us a little bit about Redefining Having It All, a nonprofit that you started.
1: Yeah, so Redefining Hell, um, which is uh, both a site as well as, you know, I have the Instagram, et cetera, really started with my personal curiosity around women's ambition and what it means for real people. Uh, this, you know, started when I had my second child and I left a dream job actually method in order to stay at home and spend more time with the family. And even though that really only lasted a, a year, it felt incredibly final at the time. And this was also around the time that things like Lean In were coming onto the scene. And as much as I loved the discourse that that opened up, it, I just couldn't find it relatable because it was coming from someone who was, you know, local to me in that I'm in California and Sheryl Sandberg is in California. But hard to relate to thinking that she's the COO of a company and there I was, you know, just a regular person. Mm -hmm. And so I started on a quest first by interviewing women in my own circle, um, basically using my, my skills as a researcher to focus on an area and a topic that I'm really curious and passionate about, which is, again, women and what this idea of fulfillment and wholeness means. And after interviewing uh, roughly 40 women in my life and posting them on the site and taking beautiful portraits of them, I realized that we were all very similar and that A, I knew them, so there was something in common, but B, we're all mostly professional women and how that really provided just a very common perspective. And so I decided to go around the world um, basically with my work and my personal travels in 2019, 2019. Mm -hmm. It was back when we could travel. Not that long ago, but feels like ages ago now. Um, And I wrapped up actually, um, went around to 12 countries in 12 months and uh, would set up basically a backdrop on street corners and post up for roughly two hours in each place. Um, and I ended up having some amazing conversations, just stopping people on the street, sometimes having an, an interpreter or having a, a local translator, and being able to have these conversations with women. And you know, while I was doing this, I I, I would say, you know, my singular focus was understanding and exploring. Um, I didn't quite know where this would lead to but I knew that by applying my skills uh, to something that I was really interested in, it would lead somewhere. And so I've now turned redefining, having it all into a nonprofit. And so I'm working with some organizations to help tell the stories of real people and uh, real women and in support of women's empowerment.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Well, we'll make sure we have a link to it in in the podcast description. And um, Etienne, it's been lovely to have you on the show. Etienne Fang, a principal researcher at Amazon, working on Amazon Search, uh, founder of Redefining Having It All, and speaker at Advancing Research 2021, coming up March 10th through 12th. Etienne, I'm looking forward to hearing your talk there, and I, I know lots of other people listening are. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Rosenfeld Review brought to you by Rosenfeld Media. If you like our show, please subscribe and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. I'd love it if you tell a friend to have a listen and check out our website for over 100 podcasts with other interesting people. You'll find them all at RosenfeldReview.com.